What's up, everyone? You are watching the Bags and Boards podcast on Comic Tom 101. Geek responsibly, y'all. Comic fam, stay tuned to the end of the video. We're going to be giving away this copy of Wolverine number one, my Lee In Hyuk variant, graded at 9.8 with that gorgeous new CGC label right on the top. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining me here today, comic fam. Sitting on the mic with my good friend, Gem Mint from Gem Mint Collectibles. How you doing, brother? What's up, comic Tom? What's up, Geminites? What up, comic fam? Glad to be back here on the show. What's going on? I'm your host, Comic Tom. This is the Bags and Boards Show, episode number 30. And we're going to be chatting with you about a bunch of comic book-themed content. Hit that subscribe button. We make a ton of content throughout the week. And we also have a very special guest. Aside from Gem Mint on the show today, we have Eris Quinones from Variant Comics, who's going to be joining us to chat a little bit about some of his favorite books, too. So slap that like button, and let's get right into the first part of the show, which is chatting about shipping comic books. Jem, what is your experience as a comic book collector as far as like the importance of shipping comic books right? Wow, man, that's a big topic. And I think the first time you realize how important it is is when you get shipped something and it has terrible packaging and you have damaged books, flimsy boxes, uh, not enough or not any packing material. So it's super important. And the way that I always looked at it is how, when I ship something out, how would I want to receive it? Something that I thought was super intriguing. Back when I was doing CGC coverage at C2E2 this year, Brittany, shout out, she had mentioned that there was a really good video idea she had, which was like just compiling a list of all the different unique ways individuals in the comic book community have submitted their comic books via shipment to the CGC headquarters in Florida. And I am so excited that they actually did this video and they released it this week. So I want to chat about some of the crazy ways people have shipped comic books to the CGC. And I'll be honest, I've definitely committed you know, some of these crimes here and have submitted some of these books in the, in the ways that they describe. What about you, Jeff? Well, I mean, first of all, CGC must have received hundreds of thousands of books since they started in 2001. So I could imagine the horror story package jobs that they've received. Uh, I, I've done, you know, I've had to make do with some materials around the house. I'm very interested to hear <laughs> what CGC has received, though. Let's save our admission to the end of this list. The first one, though, that we got to talk about is people shipping comics inside a pillow, like an actual pillow you would rest your head on. A pillow? Well, I don't even understand. A pillow? Well, see, they put here, they didn't put pillowcase. I'm thinking like wrapping it in fabric or something, but no, they actually put a pillow. Like they must have cut open the pillow and then submitted it around, you know, like the feathers and stuff. Maybe shove that in a medium flat rate box or something. Okay, hold on. So if it's in a box, I might be okay with that. Like if you're just like <laughs> putting it in a pillow and putting a label on the pillow, like that's crazy. But okay, maybe, you know, you had no packing supplies. But I mean, man, you're shipping to CGC. Go get you some bubble wrap or, some, or something, man. Okay, this next one is a hot commodity right now. So there's a number of reasons why you wouldn't want to ship your comic books in this. Keep in mind, comic fam, the, the books you're submitting for grading, they're the nice ones, you know? Typically, they're the, I mean, you'd like to think, aside from it being because maybe it's for your PC or something fun, or you just want to have it encapsulated for whatever reason you want, that it's probably because there's some value, some worth. So imagine shipping your comic books in paper towels. <laughs> 
Paper towels. Okay, hold on. Wait a minute. Now, as packing material, you know, I might could let that slide a little bit. Now, if you're just wrapping it in paper towels, again, slapping a label on top, that doesn't really make sense. It's a rough one, but it does give it some padding. So I'll give the person the benefit of the doubt for wrapping their comics in paper towels. Because if you do it enough, you know, it's going to hit the, the corners and it'll protect it from the those hard, blunted edges if the USPS or UPS drop it. What about this next one, okay? This is a weird one. Have you ever done this? Don't admit it yet. Comic fan, put it in the comment section below. If you've done any of these things, we want to hear from you. A pool cue. You know, like those floaty things? Oh, a pool noodle? Pool noodle, yeah. Pool noodle, okay. I, um, okay. Hold on. Because I, of... I have done this. <laughs> oh, you did it. I told you not to tell anybody. You've done it. You've admitted one. You've done this. Hold on. Wait a minute. The... If you cut a pool noodle in half and you put it on the edge. Okay. For raw books, maybe if you do a bundle of raw books. I think I've done it with a slab before. And I think it was probably well protected because you're putting on the edge of the slabs in like a medium flat rate box. But um, for raw books to submit to CGC, pool noodle as packing material. I imagine, you know, maybe around the edges of the comic book, maybe if there was some cardboard holding it there, that's how it would be done. But yeah, I mean, at least you know that your package would float. You know, that's a thing. <laughs> if it gets lost at sea, your books will stay at the top of the water. Okay, not just getting lost at sea, though. What if it gets cold outside? People have submitted their comic books inside a sweater. Hmm, man. I mean, are you wasting a good sweater? Is it cashmere? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Is it an old discarded sweater? It's kind of like along the lines of the first one on the list, you know, like the pillowcase. We're talking like clothing material, you know, assuming these were all packaged and not just like someone wrapped their comics in a sweater and put the label on top, you know. Yeah, guys, think about it. People at CGC are unboxing these and receiving these. I'm like, what the heck? Pool noodle? Uh, pillowcases or pillows or sweaters. What do you think it's like when they get this in, they open that medium flat rate or that, that box and, yeah. and the people say they open it up. They're like, Oh my gosh, what they send us. There's like more newspaper in here than there is comics, which is another one on this list here. Newspaper. Okay. But newspaper as packing material, as it depends on the context, right? Because if you're, if you have like a bundle of well-secured raw books you have it in a, uh, surrounded like in a cardboard sandwich and you're putting it in a box and packing it with like crumpled newspaper. I'm okay with that. Jim, you make a lot of fresh content. People say that all the time about you. And part of the reason why people use that terminology fresh is because it's important to keep things, you know, clean, new. You know, it's a good feeling when something's brand new, which is why I think people have submitted their comic books in Tupperware. Tupperware? Yeah, straight up Tupperware. You know, like okay. maybe glass Tupperware, plastic Tupperware, rubber. Well, it is the only one with the freshness seal. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true, man. But, uh, you know, I can't defend this one. I don't understand. Are you putting a pile of books into some Tupperware and then putting that in a box? I mean, if I, they're still going to shuffle around inside the Tupperware. Yeah, like what's going to... Is they putting some? I gotta know more information, CGC. Like you're opening a can of worms here. What is the story behind these books? What books were they associated with? Like we, like there's more to this, but I digress because it also says here that people have packed their comic books, whether it be inside or maybe used like around the edges of the comic books, plastic bottles. No, see now you're doing too much. Although, hold on, <laughs> see, <you> <laughs> although. 
We're recycling. We're reusing material that would have otherwise been discarded. Environmentally friendly. It's, okay. It's very environmental. But now CGC, I hope they recycled it afterwards. That's true. That's true. You know, you know they do. They're very health conscious over there, reducing, reusing, you know. Now that we are in this like pandemic, people are really going out of their way to make sure that, you know, they're washing their hands and that they're staying clean and that they're, you know, going above and beyond to try to like limit the spread of things. And a lot of people are wearing scrubs. There's a like shout out to the medical professionals right now who are saving the country. Freaking awesome. But did you know that some of these medical professionals wrapped up their comics in scrubs and submitted them to the CGC in Florida? No, see, that's not even sanitary. Are they new scrubs? Are they washed? I'm assuming they're new. I'm, I'm assuming that they're at least washed at the very least. Like, mm. don't be sending CGC stuff that's, like, dangerous, you know? <laughs> you know, this list isn't like that. This is more of just, hey, shoot, I got to submit my expensive comics and I don't have anything else to use. No, I can't defend that. Medical scrubs, like, please go get a roll of bubble wrap. It's at Walmart. It's like $12. That's that's not necessary. Comic fam, you think this list is done yet, but no, it keeps going. You know, like, that, that pink panther insulation that you use for the walls you see it at home depot like i remember when i was a kid my dad would say like you got to use gloves with that because there's like shards of stuff in there you got to be careful you know you don't you sure as hell don't want to touch it you don't want other people to touch it but you also i don't imagine you want to put your like expensive comics next to it because people like use that as stuffing insulation in their box to protect their comics it, what is that asbestos asbestos <laughs> It could be, man. You don't want to inhale that asbestos. <laughs> no, but it's like this is real stuff, man. This is real stuff. Like, what do you have? Like a uh, any like off the cuff bad experiences with uh, shipping comics, like that you remember? Like, dude, you've shipped so many statues and probably have received a lot of statues that have had issues. Well, luckily with statues, uh, we typically save the original packaging, the original styrofoam and the brown shipper box. I do remember, though, receiving a box. It was comics, and it was shipped in a cereal box without any kind of wrapping around it. Just a cereal box with a label on it, here's your comics. Dude, I, my, one of my first eBay purchases that I got before I had ever sold a comic book ever on the internet I'm talking over a decade ago, it was a Captain Crunch Crunch Berries that came in. And I thought it was the craziest thing that there was like a $100 comic book put in there. But it does happen, which is why this video was created. You know, we're, we're shipping a lot of stuff throughout the month, but this is a big part of the process when it comes to this comic book hobby. And I appreciate CGC being honest because they didn't just go through these crazy things for like no reason. No, they wanted to... Uh, showcase a product that they put to the public, which is their CGC um, shipping kits, which is just a box that you get shipped to you to be able to package your comic books in to be shipped back to them in the safest possible way. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have seen it. I thought it was a really good idea. I love anytime you see a company or just anybody being innovative or finding a problem and creating a solution. So for them to know that there's a lack of proper shipping techniques and provide people with little kits to submit their books. I thought that was a genius idea, and I thought it was really cool that they decided to run with that. Not a sponsored ad or anything like that. This is something I found super interesting, kind of 
you know, letting us know what goes on at the company. And I think it's fun to know this information, but it's a good reminder to the community to ship your comics well and to see like what companies are doing for you so that you can have the peace of mind knowing that you don't have to hunt down stuff in your home to package your expensive collectibles in. No, we know that you want to keep them safe, which is why they saved the best thing for last. Can you imagine somebody taking their nice comic book gem running out of ideas, man? Like this is this right here is absolutely like I have nothing else in my home. What do I do? But maybe it's a like a maybe there was a newborn. I think that this person that did this, they recently had a child. So shout out to the the newborns and the, and to the new fathers out there and the mothers who are submitting comics for grading. But you should never do this one next thing, comic fam, which is submit your comics in diapers. I knew where you were going with this. With diapers, first of all, that's wasteful. Diapers are expensive. Maybe, maybe I can see if you have a, a, a toddler or, their, or a baby that's growing out of that size of diapers, but I'm sure you could donate that or something to pack them as packing material for comics that another human being has to unpack. That's, that's uncalled for. Comic fam, how do you package your comic books? Have you picked up any of these CGC shipping kits from their website? I'll put the link in the description so you can check those out. I'll also put the CGC's Instagram link in the description so you can be following them. Aside from putting out really cool content like this, I like seeing this. What do you think about seeing this kind of content on their page, Jim? I think it's awesome, and I think it goes to show you that they didn't come up with this kit because they wanted to make money. It's like, look, we have received the craziest packages, and I'm sure people at cons tell them all the time, hey, I don't really know how to ship my comics the right way. What's the best way to do it? So I love to see the side of them and the reasoning why they decided to do things like this comic submission kit. I think it's really cool. And sometimes your boy does exclusive content with the CGC on their page. So you're going to want to be following them there for some content that you're not going to see on our channels. Let's chat about the next subject of the show. We're going to get into your comments. Viewer comments. Yeah, uh, Jem, I haven't read these to you, so I want to start hold this hold off. On. They're about me? Yeah, some of these. Are, this is all about our videos that we've done, man. Oh, so let, man. Let's, uh, let's get some responses. Uh, responses from the community. And comment down below, comic fam. We want to hear from you throughout the week. Just know we may read it on the mic. First one is from Stacy Vaught, who says, my wife and I were just talking about that type of comic variant. We were talking about like variants and stuff. Yeah, I remember. And they say, you're in your last video. Great content, guys. Love it. I picked this comment because I'm a big fan of you, Jem. Over this last like few years, you've been doing content on YouTube over at Gem and Collectibles. But over this last year, you have a new member that's been on your show way more often. And I'm talking about Mrs. Jem. Fee, who's been killing it on the mic. And I want to know a little bit about what that's like being in a relationship doing content, but also like, how do you guys like share this passion together? Yeah. I mean, it's the best thing you could ask for. And I really like it also when I see people comment on our live shows, like, Hey, I'm watching with my wife. She says, hello. And I feel like her being involved with the channel is getting more people's spouses involved with their hobby. So it's like a really cool thing, man. And with me and her, it's like Gem and Collectibles Incorporated up here. We're always working on content. We're reading stuff. We're we're doing behind the scenes thing to make videos happen. So it's really cool. It's really cool. That you guys can share that part of the hobby together. I saw she was getting into like some golden age comics over this last couple months. And I'm like, oh, geez, that's got to be fun for you. 
Well, I was just going to mention that she's into Golden Age comic books. Thank God, because I don't have to read them. But uh, she's doing the reviews on the like Golden Age Omnibus, and people are really digging it. She's She wants to start from the beginning. So she's done Captain America, Superman. Now she's going to do Batman. So uh, going to go through the Golden Age, work to the silver, bronze, and modern. Comic Book Hangover had some interesting words. He said, videos like this encourage me to avoid the negativity and work towards stop being an ass online to people just because they bash me for disagreeing with them. I'm also going to approach my LCS with these ideas because I don't want to lose them. Thanks for another epic video. What do you think about that? Wow, it's almost like we converted somebody who was headed towards the dark side and we brought him back to the light because... Yeah, that's Come a, back, man. <laughs> that's a good point. Like, I, when I started the channel, I was always like, "Hey, this is going to be a positive channel. I'm not here to bash people or tear people down. People disagree, but you got to agree to disagree sometimes and respect people's opinions." So the fact that it made him think differently—that's awesome. I didn't even—I didn't see that comment. That's 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 dope, man. Absolutely agree with you, man. And I like to go into every bit of content that we have the most optimistic way I can and positive way as I can, because first off, we're talking about comic books. And although there are some kind of tough things that may have, that may happen throughout the year. Um, I mean, heck distributions down right now. There's a lot of things we can complain about. I think that comic books are so awesome that there's always something that we can focus on that is positive. And that's what I like to, you know, reserve for the mic. When I have the community's time, hit that like button and comic fam, let's uh, take a look at the next comment that you left for both of us, but I, Jem, again, I want this is more for you because you had suggested this in our last video we were in together. Do you suggest creating a separate IG and Facebook account specifically for purposes of buy, selling, and trading comic books on the internet? I have a personal account and already follow some artists I like as well as buying and selling using hashtags on IG with these. Like, do they need to open up and do new profiles? So I recommend that. I think it's a good idea to separate your personal life with your kind of business or whatever you're going to be doing, buying and selling. It's a business, you know, and uh, I think it's a good idea. It's all about branding. You can kind of create your own little thing. But I still am a big uh, believer that you should still be in the pictures with your comics or with your statues because sure. people want to be comfortable that they're dealing with somebody who's not going to scam them. So while I think it is important, I think it is a good idea to create that kind of online persona Make sure that you're still relatable and still just a regular person. Think about who you buy comics from, comic fam. Like, do you want to buy someone that you have that trust established? You feel good about the decision of giving that person money? Like, think about what you're looking for in any transaction that you would typically do. Apply that to your marketing abilities and your ability to sell online. You can do the same thing and provide that in the form of customer service and uh, community work. Let's take a look at this next comment. Jem says, there's a variant collector born every minute. Uh-oh. Right? So I think he meant that in a negative way, right? Maybe. I don't know. I liked it. I gave it a heart. I, I think that's optimistic, man. Well, there's a variant collector born every minute. Um, yeah, I mean, that could be true. There, Pete, you should collect what you like. You know, if you like to collect variants, then nobody should tell you that's the wrong thing to do. You know, is it a smart move? Is it a good investment? It depends, you know, and, and maybe that's not why everybody's in this hobby. Maybe somebody always wants the art germ variant. Maybe somebody always wants the virgin variant. So there's really nothing wrong with that. No, I think it's actually way more likely to see people aggressively buying 
from artists that are currently in the game who you can actively support in this market. So it would make sense that you would have people becoming variant buyers because there's this connection to, uh, to their weekly pulls that they already have through their LCSs, as well as the older stuff tends to be more expensive to start with, right? So you're definitely seeing that be a little bit of a more difficult thing to to get involved in as far as that part of the community. But then last but not least, there's a reason why we make a lot of comic book themed content, Jam, is that there's so much to know. It's kind of difficult to get into it. So we try to make it more palatable and easier to, you know, kind of step your, your your feet in, you know, get get them wet a little bit. And then pretty soon you're buying Golden Age comics and you're reading them like Fee and getting all well-versed in OG Cap. <laughs> That's true. Actually, we've been she's been reading the omnibus, and I've been tagging the guru in those story posts so that he sees him because I know he loves that stuff. Ooh, comic fam, I like this idea. Let me know what you think about that in the comment section below. We're gonna do a team up golden age show. I like the way that sounds. Ooh, and then we have Jeremy Fahas says the Mark Jeweler variance is something I never realized. This is just wild to think about now. Now I have to go through all my old books to see if these inserts exist, starting with that Spider Man issue. Thanks, Tom and Jim. Oh, and the shirt does rock. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, a lot of people purchased the shirt. Uh, Fee wore her shirt in the Superman Omnibus review. And, you know, I only knew about Mark Jewelers when I started buying key issues that were uh, graded by CGC because they would notate Mark Jewelers variant. And I was like, what the heck is that? So I started to research it, and I'm like, oh, man, it blew my mind. And it's funny how you learn. So this uh, viewer learned it from our video, and that's super cool. Before you leave those booths, comic fam, you're going through those like dollar bin comics, those quarter bins. I always suggest, and I do this too, look over all the comics. And if you see any of those color lines in the middle of the spine, that's the best indicator and the best way for you to check really quickly. It's difficult at first, but if you got spectacles like yours truly, you'll get good at it. And, you know, as long as you're chill with the dealers and you let them know what you're doing, give them the option. You may do them a solid and you may find something that they didn't know. And you can be a really nice person. Comic Karma goes around. You can be like, yo, there's a Mark Jeweler variant in here and help them out. But most of the time when I'm like doing that kind of stuff and I find something dope, it's nothing huge. The dealers are very happy to sell them to me. So always be keeping an eye out for those Mark Jewelers. And the shirts, if you want to get one of the gem mint variants of the Comic Tom Mark Jeweler shirt that we designed, well, you can go and hit the link in the description. And it supports both shows. Gem, I paid you your cut. He did. He did. I got paid, so it's good to continue to order, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Comic Fam. Big, big excitement here. We have, for the first time on the show, Eris from Variant Comics is going to join us on the podcast. Let's see what he's been up to during this lockdown. Eris Quinones, it has been way too long, my man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. Long overdue. It is awesome to finally have you on the Bags and Boards show. Comic fam, we got one of the biggest comic book content producers on YouTube on the mic here today. How you feeling? <laughs> you you are too kind. I'm feeling really good, dude. I, it's actually the first time I've been on your channel, which is crazy because we've been friends for a few years now and you've already been on uh, Variant, my channel. So now I'm finally on your channel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've done some stuff over there. We've done giveaways. I'm a part of the Variant Nation and I want to discuss some fun stuff with you here today. Comic fam, hit the subscribe button, slap that like button. And Eris, I want to get into the term the grandfather of comic book channels. This is something that you're known by. 
<laughs> yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, that's kind of, I guess, what the channel's been dubbed over the years, and it's flattering more than anything. I guess it's just because uh, we were kind of the first channel on YouTube to do what we were doing. I don't want to say the first, but I guess for in the sense of what we were doing as far as, you know, giving, like, character breakdowns, storyline breakdowns, we variant was pretty much uh, the first. So I guess because of that, uh, we got that uh, that nickname, which is pretty dope. Dude, you guys do crazy numbers over there, like 7 million plus in a month. I mean, better than mainstream media some months. <laughs> I, I got to know, like, let's take me back to when this channel started. How, did, like, what were its roots? You know, who was part of it at the beginning? And how did you get to where you are now? Oh, man. So what's crazy is the show began in 2012, I believe May of uh, 2012, right? It was right around the time or the same month as uh, the first Avengers movie, if I remember correctly. But what people don't know is that's when the first episode debuted, like the, the pilot uh, was up. But we were working behind the scenes like two years prior to that because prior to Variant, I've never done any sort of hosting. I was never any sort of like public figure or like, you know you know, presented in front of people. I was very much like that awkward, nerdy comic book kid behind the scenes. So um, it was all new to me. So basically it took some time, two years time to kind of work it out. Uh, me and uh, Ryan Conley, actually, he's the, he's uh, one of the other co-creators uh, for the show, uh, kind of hashed it out. We were at a gym, we were at a Planet Fitness, I believe in 2010, 2011 one day. And he already had uh, Film Riot, which is a D... Uh, DIY filmmaking channel, which also has a million press subscribers on uh, YouTube right now, and he was currently signed to uh, Revision Three, which I don't know if people re if people remember Rev Three, but it eventually got bought out by Discovery, and then it got bought out by someone else a, a few years ago. Anyway, it was one of those big internet organizations that you know sponsored and bought up channels to like promote on the interwebs. Uh, anyway, he's like, hey man, we I kind of want to do another show. I like comic books as well. Would you ever want to host it? I know you've been reading comic books since you were a kid. Like you're a massive comic book kid, uh, comic book guy, and like all these movies and stuff are coming out. Because this was like at the beginning. This was like, you know, only the first like Iron Man was basically out for the MCU at this point in time. And then we were, it was all building up to the first Avengers movie. So I was like, heck yeah. So it took a while. And um, we started working it out, you know, pitching ideas. Like, a lot of the mainstays were created back then, like the history of episodes. Because he's like, well, what, you know, how would we do this? You know, he gave ideas, I gave ideas. And we kind of landed on one of the mainstays for the channel was a history of, right? So it's, like, kind of breaking down a character that's been around for, like, 50-plus years in 10 to 15 minutes. Because, you know, there's diehards like me and you, but not everyone is going to freaking soak everything up. They just want to summarize Cliff Notes version. And that's what that episode type became. Uh, and then it just steamrolled from there. We did versus episodes, origins episodes, top tens, uh, reviews. Like the tagline for the show is we talk about all things comics. So if it's comic book related video games, comic books, obviously, movies, cartoons, TV shows, we talk about it. And uh, we kind of, I guess, struck at the right time because once that first Avengers movie hit, that's when the MCU, the MCU was doing great before that. But once the first Avengers came out and they actually assembled, everything blew up from there. And that's when Variant, you know, was right, was right there with it. And it kind of was able to ride that MCU wave, <laughs> if you will. I'm curious, Eris, take me back to some of those early days when your first video started popping off in this community. What was it like? Do you remember those moments? Dude, it was really, really weird because, um, again, we were fortunate enough to be signed uh, with Revision 3 off the bat because, again, 
uh, one of Varian's one of co-creators uh, was is Ryan Conley, a film writer, and he already had a show on there. So we were fortunate enough to, like, even before we published our first video, we had, like, I don't know, like 3,000 subscribers, which was pretty dope. Uh, but, you know, things, it took a while for things to, like, get going. And, you know, much like today, we, you know, we, like, I'm sure you do too, Varian and you, we talk about things that are relevant in the comic book community and pop culture. So back then, you know, like, Walking Dead was, that's when Walking Dead was, like, on season two and three, like, at its pinnacle, and Walking Dead was amazing. So we did a lot, a lot of Walking Dead episodes, and I remember uh, a few of them did really well, got a couple hundred thousand views, and uh, obviously, like, we were still in the early phase of the MCU, so did, like, History of the Hulk, uh, Avengers episodes, the best Avengers storylines, and a lot of those took off because they coincided with the movie, and then slowly but surely, it started steamrolling. Um, and then we saw our subscribers start ticking up to, I remember hitting 100,000 subscribers. I was like, oh my God, 100,000 subscribers, this is insane. And then, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, that uh, steam steamrolling effect, right? Where the rich get richer in that sense, especially back then with the YouTube algorithm and stuff like that. And it just kind of kept going. But I think it really, really hit me uh, when Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo started following me on Twitter. Because, like, I am a massive fan of both those dudes. And when I saw that they were following me on Twitter, I was like, oh, my God, I've made it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it, man. That must have been a crazy feeling to see that, um, to see that happen, that moment. I'm curious because you just kind of uh, set me up for it. You just said Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder, Batman. All right. We're talking about mm -hmm. the Dark Knight here. We're talking about D DC right. Universe. You make contents from all different types of franchises, Star Wars, Marvel, um, anything geeky heck you're doing a great series on tmnt and the power ranger crossovers through boom however i've definitely noticed that your dc content seems to be the one that you're most passionate about i can be wrong about that but i also <laughs> see by your numbers that the variant nation is very dc heavy how did this happen am i crazy am i seeing something is there correlation no you're definitely not crazy i think you know i've say it all the time on, on the channel that uh batman is easily my favorite character in all of fiction not just comic books uh batman is literally the character that got me into comic books more specifically batman the animated series and then also the 89 batman uh, film by tim burton so that's like my love so both those got me into comic books so i think that kind of comes off because of that because i'm natural you know when you're naturally passionate about something uh that kind of just draws people to it they get excited with you and i think that just kind of happened over time since batman is my favorite character uh and dc was my gateway into comic books that that kind of just happened over the years that naturally like the variant nation uh really really likes dc that's not to say that i don't like marvel or the variant nation doesn't like marvel it's not true at all it's just clearly since i like batman more in the just league and stuff uh i think naturally dc people were drawn to the channel more because i'm like yeah batman's great you should like him too <laughs> i love it i love it all right well then i think we should probably carry this conversation on to talk about some dc and batman subjects i also want to take some time while i have you here to chat about maybe a little bit how we met and specifics on how you were able to as assist and help our channel here um, our youtube channel because i think it's a great opportunity to tell other members of the comic book community as well as other YouTubers maybe some tips and tricks that you shared with me that really helped grow our community that we have here. Um, so um, first things first, let's get into, I think, a franchise that you're going to know why I'm bringing up right now, Batman Animated Series, The Batman Adventures. 
There's something right. coming here pretty soon. And when we get comic books back on track, when publishers start to send comics out, we're going to be getting something new, are we not? We are. We are indeed. Uh, a brand new series uh, was just released. It's a digital first series called Batman The Adventures Continue, and it literally takes place after the last season of the new Batman Adventures. So it's like the season we never got. And this is known as one of the best Batman, really, adaptations ever, um, including some of the animated movies are known to be some of the uh, fan favorites of those who are diehard Batman fans. This comic book matters to the comic book collecting community. The fact that it's coming out is definitely causing some movements in the market for a lot of these comics from this run, from the the, that, that debuted in the 90s. And I want to get into some of those comics in this conversation, but I also want to talk about Harley Quinn because I think that's the main character that's really come out of this series. And Harley is one of your favorite characters, is she not? Dude, she is my favorite female uh, comic book character. I've just loved her ever since the animated series. Uh, you know, she's quirky, she's badass, she's fun, she's evil, she's good. Great character. <laughs> Back when we first met, I remember you mentioning that you were hunting for some comic books, specifically ones from this run. And man, that list that you gave me first, it didn't have Turok on it. It didn't have like Mr. Freeze appearances on it. No, it was all about Harley Quinn. You wanted those first appearances. Dude, for sure. Yeah, it's, you know, because what's what's cool about her is she was introduced in Batman, the animated series, right? So then her naturally her first appearance uh, was in the spinoff book that's tied into the the cartoon series so you know i unfortunately i had as you know i had the first batman adventures 12 i had that a long time ago my original copy i actually bought off a freaking end cap out of walgreens in like 93 94 right sure. so but a few years ago i was forced forced to sell it uh because i had unexpected bills and you know at the end of the day i had to adult and get like my 300 dollars or whatever for it to pay off uh some bills that i needed to get uh get paid but uh because of that i was hunting and hunting it down and then when we first met, I was like, oh, dude, Comic Tom, you're, like, you're the guy. You're like, dude, this is what I do. I hunt down books. And you were able to hunt one down for me. And I have never been more appreciative uh, to someone, especially for like something like geeky like that. It's hanging in the background right now. Uh, but because of that, that kind of sparked something for me. It's like I got the first appearance back. Now I want her third appearance. I want her fourth. You know how you know how collecting is. It's like a rabbit hole. So now I want like all her cool, cool like key cover appearances, uh, fourth, third appearances. And now... I'm in a rabbit hole of Harley Quinn and uh, Batman the Animated Series. That's my goal, man. My goal is to get you deep into that black hole, Neil deGrasse Tyson style, down that spiral. And you know what? We're talking about uh, a character that debuted in Batman Adventures issue 12 at 9.8. It goes for a solid $1,500, and it's a very strong key. But my first thing that I had to do was find out, well, which which first appearance do you want, right? You know, because because some people, you know, they, if it's an animated adaptation in comics, it doesn't really count. You know, are we going to look at the Alex right. Ross? You know, are we looking at the animated series? And you wanted both. You're like, oh, I, I'm I'm digging both, and I saw the potential there because you're like, you you saw both for their key worthiness. You didn't x one over the other. So that then got me on this path to find these real first appearances, ones that predate her, you know, debut in comics, maybe advertisements, see if we can go a little bit deeper. And at first you were like, I don't really know, but we had to, we had to get you there. Now, 
I have a comic here that has nothing to do with this conversation, Eris, but I wanted to show it to you because I think it started this process, and I think it's a great example. It's a <laughs> copy of Ninjak, issue number nine. I already know where this is going. You know where this is going. Now, I know where this is going. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a valiant comic book. Eris loves right. Ninjak. Die hard. You have, tat- <laughs> you have this tattoo, do you not? You have a Ninjak tattoo. I believe. On my I right butt cheek, bro. <laughs> I, dude, I, I get it. But you know what? Um, I don't judge. I don't judge what tattoos you're going to get. I have <laughs> no, plastic Ninjak is tattoo. an awesome character. No, he is awesome. You know what? And Valiant's dope. But you know what? It's not about this dope character. It's about the inside of this book. Is this it? is you. <laughs> that is indeed me. Is this not your first appearance? I mean, yes, that is my first comic book appearance. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think this is great, man. It says your channel for all things geekdom every uh, episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. How you doing on that uh, on that quote? <laughs> uh, well, since then we are on a new schedule. We're actually doing three a week, uh, and it's supposed to be Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. But we're in flux right now because uh, the world is on pause, as we right. all know. Right, right. Well, dude, you know I had to get me a copy of my homie's first appearance in comic books, but but this is something that's fun because this is a comic that means something to me. You know, it's my friend in a comic, but this is a first appearance, and that got me thinking about other first appearances, specifically Harley Quinn, which we have hunted together and acquired for your collection. And I figure we should do an all-encompassing video of how far we've been able to go. Dude, let's do it. So starting out, I think we should do it. Um, in 1993 we should kick this off in 1993 because we know that that's the year that batman adventures 12 came out Mm -hmm. and by the end of this year in december we would have the first movie uh batman mask of the phantasm so yeah that right there marks something notable in harley quinn key worthiness comics and it happened in the toy that was released alongside the movie it did indeed it was in an action figure and you got one. I do right here. You actually were kind enough to hunt it down and send it to me. Boom. Right here. There it is. Sealed in package. And behind the Mask of the Phantasm book is the coloring book you were talking about, which I also have because of you right here loose. So, and as you guys see, it fits in a modern bag and board. So it's basically, or is the size of a modern comic book. On the inside of this coloring book, there is a Harley Quinn pinup ready for being colored and you know what if you're lucky enough to find one i mean preferably without coloring on the inside (laughs) you may have what many consider to be the second appearance of harley quinn because this again is dated in december it says it on the toy itself in that it came out in december to coincide with the movie but prior to the release of this coloring book was batman adventures 12 in september so this is the second published harley quinn anything now you can find some on ebay that will say that this is the second appearance but many actually look to later comics in this run as her first second appearance so you know comic fam we want to hear what you think in the comment section below but not before we go backwards in time because it doesn't just stop at batman adventures 12 in september eris let's chat with them about batman almost got him dude batman almost got him so that thing that comic is well it's, it's comic book format. That book is awesome. So basically, it's roughly, you know, the width of a comic book, but it's short, right? It's like half a comic book tall. And it, I believe, memory serves me correctly, it came with a cassette tape back in the day. But in there, there is a page with Harley Quinn inside the book, which because of the date on it, people are like, well, 
is this the real first appearance of Harley Quinn? And it's kind of one of those things that's up for debate in the comic community. That's right. Um, it adapts the almost Gotham episode. And at the time when this character was being debuted in the animated series, they wanted to have someone pop through the cake. You know, this is a, a Joker story. There's a lot of yep. happenings. There's a lot of villains hanging out. And rather than having Joker pop through the cake, they thought like, ah, Joker wouldn't do that. Let's have a new character do it. Right. So they created Harley Quinn. Dude. And you know what? People loved her and they had to bring her back. For sure, dude. She, I mean, you know, I think it's an understatement to say that she is an A-lister right now. You know what I mean? She's, you know, almost surpassed even A-listers like Catwoman and Batgirl in a lot of senses, right? And she came out way after them. So it was definitely a, definitely a win for DC. Dude, I got the tape. You got the tape? Yeah, I was able to hunt one down on eBay. Someone listed an open but complete set of the book the box and the tape inside i just have to get a cassette player dude what and you're telling about you're telling this to me now for the first time <laughs> that is awesome man yeah, dude that is we got to get you back on the show to listen to it dude Dude, 100 that is dope i know uh, in the past uh, you were able to find uh, a loose copy of the actual book but not like the package and the tape that is i'm gonna need to listen to that <laughs> Absolutely. So then, you know what? The date for this comic book, it's a little bit difficult to pinpoint because the the publishing house that created it has changed names multiple times over the years. And there's actually records on the CGC forums of members calling the publishing house trying to get data on the month that this cassette read-along book was debuted because right now the only thing that we have is online records of you know amazon numbers and a few others that point to april being the date of release mm -hmm. early 1993 and these dates are important because batman adventures 12 came out in september so the odds are that it came out earlier than batman adventures 12 but we don't have a hard date to look at unlike the next one on this list because back in February 1993, a comic magazine called Comic Scene Magazine came out. And what was on the inside, Ares? Harley Quinn, of course. Dude, debuting the animated series in this magazine, we have a full shot of Harley Quinn. And I don't think anyone at that time knew what they were publishing and how important it was to the DC universe and to DC fans across the world. And it's really cool to think that you know, this character that at the time, you know, people did like her from seeing her in the animated series, but I don't think she was as big as a character as she was now, right? So it's pretty crazy to think that a character like that, make, you know, making all these appearances in these books and magazines here and there was ins inconsequential back then. And now, you know, we're going back and be like, yeah, but no, this counts. You know what I mean? So it's really funny uh, to, if you think of it that way. This magazine that debuted in February, I think that takes the cake. Like, what are the odds that we're going to find something that came out in January or that we would even be able to, you know, verify that would come out in January to beat that year? So this magazine has to be the first published anything of Harley Quinn. And yeah, it's a magazine. It's not a comic book. So yeah, it's her first real appearance but it's not her first appearance in something comic size. But we've already, you know, when we're venturing into the magazine portion, we're abandoning the comic format as it pertains to whether or not it's key worthy. So since we're already doing that, let's go back 
just a few more months to 1992 because I thought we were done there, Eris. I thought we had found <laughs> the 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 last one. Do you like? Do you remember this happened dude, over the course of a year? How many times did I contact you going, dude? I found another one. Dude, it was pretty freaking crazy. You're like, I got another, and like, I'm like, how are you finding this though? Like, what what dark places of the interweb are you going to finding all these publication dates? <laughs> dude, I'm just like blindly buying some things, you know, go just searching, looking up like photocopies, googling. Well, you know what? I found something back in 1992 that came out. It was a Batman animated series 3D board game, and yes. I didn't think anything of it, you know, but it came out in '92. And mm -hmm. that would date everything. And then I, I saw what was inside. You did see what was inside. And uh, I actually, I have, I have two, right? I have one opened and one sealed. Again, because of you, the hunt master, we're like, yo, Eris, I found this. Do you want this? I think you're going to need this. So I'm going to show you guys the one sealed. I have it right here to the side. Um, boom, right here, right there. And I don't know if you could see this. I'm sure you could show a picture if you can't zoom in on here. But you see Harley Quinn on the back right here i don't know if that's in focus or not but she's in this board game yeah it's like little uh cardboard cutout of harley quinn and to think that they would have had to make that you know at least half a year if not more prior they must have been thinking of her as just an extra character like hey we need one more slot to fill this character has a cool design we'll make her you know a feature 100 percent. it's kind of crazy how how all this happened because again i don't think a lot of people thought you know to go down this rabbit hole that much and consider things like you know board games coloring books magazines and be like well you know since this is still you know in published or printed is this her first appearance and it's you know it's one of those things where like a lot of people might be like no batman adventures 12 still is but then there's a, definitely a group of people are gonna be like no this one is you know what i mean so there's gonna be that back and forth I want to know your thoughts, comic fam. What do you think about the real first appearance conversation? Clearly, Eris owns them all. And, you know, <laughs> it's partially my fault, you know, doing it. But but you know what? You know, I, I think it's fun. And I, I, I say it all the time. The Hellboy lenses, when they come on, I don't judge because I, I buy a bunch of Hellboy memorabilia. You know, I, I like the, the scarcity and the, you know, the unique aspect of the collectible for sure there's always those care i think that everyone has those characters that are really special to them for one reason or another harley quinn is definitely top uh three for me and you know because it brings me back to batman the animated and you know that's where she was created and stuff and it, you know it's just fun to kind of see where you can go with it and i you know you shocked me when you found all this stuff because i'm like how the you know i'm a massive harley quinn fan and b-taz fan and the fact that uh i didn't even think to go down a rabbit hole like that like you did i'm like Good on you, Tom. I appreciate that, man. And I'm going to keep the hunt going. Maybe we can go back to 91. Dude, can Find you some concept imagine? art. <laughs> <laughs> Comic fam, we're not done talking about the DC animated universe. No, we have 10 more books to discuss. You know what, Eris? This is something that got me excited. Hearing that they are going to be bringing back a, a new issue to bring us back into this world that we all love. But we also know that there's a key moment coming. Is there not? Yes, there is indeed. In the first issue of Batman The Adventures Continue, we actually get the first ever cameo appearance of Jason Todd in the DC Animated Universe. This is a really, really big deal because back in the day uh, with Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures, uh, in Batman the Animated Series, Dick Grayson was Robin, of course, right? But then when we had the new Batman Adventures and the series got redesigned uh, for a new season and a new era, Dick Grayson became Nightwing, meaning we needed another Robin. But they gave us Tim Drake Robin because at that time, 
Tim Drake was the current Robin, as well as Paul Dini and other creative leads for the show saying that Jason Todd was too violent of a character to put in a kid's cartoon series. So us comic book fans naturally would have thought the progression should have been, as it is in the comics, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake. But that wasn't the case. They skipped over Jason Todd for the reasons I just mentioned. But now, all these years later, they're bringing, in bringing back this continuity with this new comic book series. They're like, you know what? We're going to bring Jason Todd back. We always wanted to. We just couldn't because of the networks and stuff like that. So for this continuation of this DC animated universe, we're going to give you Red Hood and Jason Todd. And he makes his first cameo appearance in issue one of Batman The Adventures Continue. Comic fam, you're going to want to hit the subscribe button and hit that like button. We're going to jump into some comic books that I think you need to be aware of. This is a hot list. And clearly the books on here are all part of this universe, but we actually took off some of the ones that are just kind of easy to spec on that you would assume would be on here. Batman Adventures 12. Big surprise. That one's going to be number one on this list. So we took ones, you know, we already mentioned where those numbers are at for that book and a couple others of those like you know, minor appearances. I want to fill this list up with things that you may not know that are moving and ones that we're keeping an eye out. And let's kick them off at the list here at number 10. Eris coming in with the first top 10 on the Bags and Boards show. Super excited about it. Batman Adventures issue number 28. Dude, Batman Adventures issue 28. This is an awesome, awesome book. I mean, it's a Harley Quinn appearance. I believe it's the fourth Harley Quinn appearance. And the cover is just awesome. I mean, People want this issue alone because of the cover. Of the cover, you have Joker, Harley Quinn on it. It's her fourth appearance. It's animated, like you said. Uh, what's crazy with the animated universe right now is all of us kids that were watching this series and reading these comics in the '90s are now adults. We're like in our mid to mid 20s to early 30s. So we got the money to spend. So we want to go back and buy these issues of these of these key appearances for these characters we like and read these stories again. So this is definitely a book. That if you like Harley Quinn, you like B-Taz or the DCAU, it needs to be in your collection. $25 average raw sales for this issue. There's a high sale of $105 graded at a 9.8. Officially has cleared the $100 marker. A lot of these books, Comic Fam, although they are lower print and harder to come by because they were marketed and sold mostly to children. You know, we were younger when these, were, when these came out, Eris. So we are the culprits here For we're sure. the ones who screwed up a lot of these comics um but people are hunting them so that's why we got to keep an eye out on a number of these comics because these aren't dollar bin issues anymore comic fam they're rising and let's take a look at number nine on this list because there's a lot of confusion behind it we have batman mask of phantasm issue number one selling for $195 at 9.8 $40 average sales. We have this issue that marks the first appearance in the universe of the Phantasm. However, this is a deluxe edition. There's more than one copy of this issue, and we are talking about the red cover that's making the list clearly the one that is being bought and is in favor in the community, dude. For sure, it is a beautiful cover. Uh, it's that classic Bruce Tim art. Um, it, what's funny is it seems like a lot of the variant covers or secondary or second print covers for these issues seem to be the fan favorites, which, which, you know, is not too, too surprising, but, uh, anything Bruce Tim does is fantastic. Uh, it has that very kind of like gritty pencil, uh, vibe to it. And it's just a fantastic cover. It's basically, I need it as a poster to blow up and hang here in my man cave because it's that cool. 
Absolutely you do, man. All right, let's take a look at number eight because you kind of alluded to it. We have Mad Love, the special. Okay, this is known as the second appearance of Harley Quinn in the animated series comic run. And what some members are going to be surprised to find out is we are actually going to put the second print on this list. We're not putting issue number one cover A here. No, because we're actually seeing kind of a change to the market. This is why we got to keep up on these comics, comic fam. $425 for a 9.8 of the second print. We're seeing average sales of $20 raw. Now, let me get into why these numbers are interesting. $20 raw for this book is cheaper than a first print Mad Love. But a 9.8 going for $425 is higher than a 9.8 first print of Mad Love. What do you think about this, Eris? Dude, it's not surprising at all. Again, I love the second the cover for this even more, the second printing cover. It is awesome. Again, you have that Bruce Tim art, and it's got classic Harley Quinn there with that big cork gun. You got freaking Joker with a Tommy gun. You got Batman chilling there looking all badass. It's just a beautiful, iconic cover. It was actually uh, the wallpaper for my phone for the longest time. Uh, it's a beautiful cover. It's actually one of my favorite comic book covers ever. I might as go I might go as far to say it's in my top 10 just because Bruce Tim is easily one of my favorite artists, Harley Quinn, uh and Batman and Batman the animated series is clearly, you know, one of my favorite things, actually my favorite thing in all of uh fandom. So this cover is very special to me and it is not shocking at all that, you know, it's finally, you know, superseding uh the the A cover for this. Even though the A cover is good, this one I think is far better. There are a handful of books within this franchise that were adapted into comics that spike just because of the attractive cover, you know? Mm -hmm. And these are books that you got to be up on. And I encourage the community to download Key Collector Comics, use the code TOM101, unlock a free subscription. There's actually a category right on the home screen for the comic book community. It's brand new because of this video, Eris. You know, we, we had to communicate the, to the masses, the different books that the comic fam needs to be aware of. And now it's in one convenient place. Yep. Dude, Key Collector is an awesome, awesome freaking uh, app. I've actually promoted it even on, on Variant uh, several times uh, before because it's you just got everything you need there. So if you want key issues, so you like me, like Carly Quinn, you type it into the app and it's going to give you all of her key issues. It's like the most stupidly easy thing ever. It's it's easier than even Googling. I've actually used it for research for Variant all the time. Like not even just for going out and like uh, hunting books and stuff for my personal collection. I use it like if I need to know a first appearance or a key issue for whatever character I'm going to talk about that episode. I'm like, tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick, and it just gives it to me. So, you know, it's a great app. Looking at number seven on the list, we have Batman and Robin Adventures number eight. One of those issues that you have to know by cover, and you're going to want to when you find out that this isn't a dollar bin issue. Goes for $35 average sales with a high sale at 9.8 at $78. And I suspect this comic book to end up exceeding 100 at some point. It's just a classic book. Yeah, this comic is freaking awesome. It's basically an homage to that classic Batman and Robin pose, but with Poison Ivy and Robin on a rooftop. So that right there is going to get a lot of fans, you know, excited about this cover that it's, you know, it's mimicking a famous pose for Batman and Robin, but also it's Poison Ivy. Every, especially it seems like with Batman, the animated series, people love those quote unquote pinup covers where the female characters are you know, prominent on the cover with Harley Quinn, Batgirl, Ivy, and this is one of those covers and issues, so it's a must for any collection. It's also a great Harley Quinn cover, I mean, holding that cork gun. 
dude, yeah, she's pointing it at Robin like in the shadows as if she's like Batman. Great. Next one on the list, we have at number six from the same run, Batman and Robin Adventures, issue number 21. Now, this classic Batgirl cover is also quickly approaching that $100 mark, $90 at 9.8 with $20 average sales. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about with the previous issue, where this is that classic B-Taz pinup art. You got Batgirl there, beautiful Ty Templeton art. She's on a question mark. She's taken up the whole the whole cover in this uh, nice, uh, sexy pose. Beautiful issue. I'm fortunate enough to have it in my collection, and I'm going to send it out to get graded pretty soon because I want that 9.8. Next one on the list at number five, we have Batman Adventures Annual number one. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Eris. I believe this is actually a thicker book, if I'm not mistaken. For 100%, it is, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to make it that much harder to get in high grade. And that's why I want to put this right here mid on the list. 9.8's hitting $125 strong. It is tough to find this book in high grade below $25. Average sales are hitting 30. And aside from being the like a milestone comic, you know, like this is the annual one from the series. People are after it. It's a big moment. Yep. It's also considered the third appearance of Harley Quinn. Yes, it is indeed. There we go with the Harley Quinn appearances again. It's considered the third appearance of Harley Quinn. Uh, she's also on the cover next to Mr. J. Both of them are holding guns. You even got the ventriloquist on the cover. And then Batman on top of a rooftop being all badass and the dark knight he is. So it's just one of those key issues because, again, it's the first annual for the series. For the first series ever that's uh, in canon with the DCAU and BTAS. And then also, it's the third Harley Quinn appearance and just a good-looking cover. This next one on the list, at number four, has actually won awards for being one of the best comics created at the time that it came out. We have Batman Adventures, the holiday special, classic Mr. Freeze cover with multiple stories on the inside. Now, some of these stories were translated into the the animated series were they not but i don't believe that mr freeze one was no uh i believe if memory serves me correctly about three of the stories in this issue were translated into uh the new batman adventures episode titled holiday nights you got the first story being harley quinn and poison ivy uh poisoning bruce wayne to go on a shopping spree then you got batgirl chasing down clayface and then the last one is the joker doing all kinds of shenanigans on new year's eve and it's a not only is it a fantastic episode uh, the book is awesome as well. And because of that, people are wanting it. But plus the cover itself, you got that awesome noir Mr. Freeze art there with the red eyes and the snow falling down. It's like classic noir detective Batman. And it's just going to look beautiful in any collection. I think of all the characters that the Batman animated series kind of brought to the the masses attention. I mean, it introduced a lot of a lot of great villains. Um but one of the the best that came out aside from like Harley Quinn as far as brand new characters, I have to say was Mr. Freeze. The redesign of this character was brilliant. They gave him depth. They gave him emotion. They added an origin story that was first seen here, not in the comics, but first seen here in the animated series that was made for kids. And something that I found just super interesting that also has kind of like, I don't know, indirectly made me a major Mr. Freeze fan was that back when this character design was being made um bruce tim was having trouble he was having issues figuring out how to design mr freeze and mm -hmm. um based on the 
um, animated series release that hit Blu-ray, there's some behind the scenes on how this played out. It was fun to find out that in his search for an artist to redesign this character that he was having difficulty with, he was doing cold calls. Eris, can you imagine Bruce Tim doing cold calls to favorite artists trying to figure out who can redesign this character? Dude, it's the weirdest thing, especially from an icon like Bruce Tim. You know, he's a he's a titan in the, in the industry because of all the designs and his art style from uh, Batman the Animated Series and the DC Animated Universe like Justice League, Batman Beyond, Justice League Unlimited. So it's pretty crazy for him to see a guy like him uh, be stuck on something. But I think, you know, it makes people realize that even being the best or greatest at something doesn't mean you're always going to nail it right away. But even going off that, you know, besides just actual character design, like you mentioned earlier, the new origin we got for Mr. Freeze in uh, the episode titled Heart of Ice is insane. Like, a lot of people don't realize that before that episode, Heart of Ice, Mr. Freeze was like a, just a meh. He was almost like a throwaway Batman villain, you know what I mean? It was just a guy with an ice gun and like a purple, a, a green and uh, pink suit. And this... This episode, Heart of Vice, Paul Dini, to be exact, gave Mr. Freeze his now definitive origin with Nora and just a husband who wants his wife back. He's not really interested in taking over the world, you know, wanting money and all that stuff. He steals diamonds and money and stuff only because he needs those resources to bring his wife back to life. So one of the best and most complex uh, Batman villains ever. And we have uh, B-Taz and Paul Dini to thank for that. That's right. And the episode that you're referencing was episode three of the series this happened so early on really setting the stage for how they were going to change this mythos in the most positive of ways and um, i gotta throw this out there because you know i'm a big hellboy fan ron perlman would end up playing the voice of Clayface. see there is a hellboy connection to be made <laughs> but this isn't the only one because the artist that Bruce Tim called, that he cold called to have that design made, that they would actually go to use in the animated series, would be none other than the king of negative space, Mike Mignola. Dude, it's insane. I think, again, it goes back to, I don't think uh, most people realize just how many creative geniuses worked on Batman the Animated Series. Like, you know, you got Ron Perlman, who this was way before he even played Hellboy, uh, Mike Mignola. Uh, so many amazing voice talents. Mark Hamill voicing uh, the Joker. Harleen Sorkin doing Harley Quinn. Kevin Conroy, who is the definitive Batman. Uh, this series, I could just, you know, I feel like I'm a mother bragging about my child with this series when I really have nothing to do with it. Uh, but I just love it so much. Well, back to the holiday special issue one going for $105 at $9.8, $15 average sales, incredibly undervalued for being a Harvey Award winner. This is a must for any Batman fan and one that I'm actively hunting myself. Let's take a look at number three on the list here. We have Batgirl Adventures. There was a lot of different spinoffs in the comics. They were definitely utilizing the hype of this show and trying to make as many comics as they could. Dude, yeah. Now, what's really cool about this is, like you said, they retitled this spinoff series or one-shot, if you will, to, instead of the Batman Adventures, the Batgirl Adventures, because it's a Batgirl story, Batgirl is on the cover, and she's on the cover in that classic uh, B-Taz red and black noir colors. As everyone who watches Batman the Animated Series knows, the skies in Gotham are red and black. It's a very... Uh, dark show and they recreated that with this cover to be exact Bruce Tim 
did this cover. And it actually, this cover got made into a Batman black and white statue by DC Collectibles, which I need to grab because I do have this cover. I was lucky enough uh, to get this in a collection uh, a few months back. But I need the statue to go along with it and then put them side by side because that would just be amazing. We're seeing this book hit $190 at 9.8. And for average sales being 30 bucks, I think that that just demonstrates how difficult it is to find this book in those higher tiers. Dude, what's crazy is the copy I was able to obtain I is in like immaculate condition. Like I would be floored if it doesn't come back with at least a 9.6. Like it's that good. It's a black, there's no spotting on the black cover. The spine is perfect. There's no creases or, you know, dings on the edges. So again, I'm going to have to send that to get graded and then maybe I'll have myself a $200 book. Now at the list of number two, Batman Adventures number 36. Batman in this classic position in front of a collage of other key moments of the series. This book goes for over $200 in high grade. But we're not putting standard cover A on here. No, because that wouldn't actually make the top 10. No, we're going to put the DC Universal logo variant on this list. I want to remind the community that this is only one example of many. The DC Universal logo was used for reprints of standard comics that were then put into a collection, like a grab bag style bundle that were then sold primarily at Toys R Us. So... These are hyper scarce and there's not an official list of what all exists. So people are hunting for ghost comics from this run. You know, is there DC Universal logos that exist or not? But this one in particular is one that we know that exists that is, is selling for an inflated amount because the interest is there. For sure. Yeah, this is this is a really cool book to hunt down. Like you said, it's kind of those little changes a lot of the times that makes a book spike where it's not like a completely different cover or even a different color. It's something as simple like as a logo change or even maybe sometimes a barcode, right? Like a newsstand edition. Right. So this is kind of one of those examples and one I know I don't have, but I want to hunt down. All right, this next one on the list, this is number one. All right, comic fam, slap that like button if you like seeing Eris on the show. Maybe he'll come back if you support us. And we have to <laughs> chat about number one on this list because I have been specking on this book. I've been watching this book for a long time. I know Nick over at Key Collector Comics has been doing the same. We have Batman Adventures issue number 16. All right, you're going to know that this book is important just by the cover. You know you have two characters that are famous in this run, Joker and Harley Quinn. It goes for... $150 at a 9.6, not even a 9.8, 9.6 hitting 150, $30 average sales because, well, they get married? What? What's going on in this issue, Eris? Dude, yeah. So the cover is Joker and Harley Quinn getting married on top of a wedding cake. This is one I do not have. I definitely want um, but it's, you know, very popular because of that, because it's the clown prince of crime and Harley Quinn getting married on the cover of the book and it's just a cool book for any joker or harley quinn fan again you have that classic uh b-taz style animation and one that i actually was looking up prices for uh yesterday funny enough and like you said it's kind of pricey to to get one of these so it's definitely one that's on my radar and i want it very very badly this wedding issue is really important but they also get interrupted. So it doesn't actually like this. The deal doesn't get sealed and they don't actually go on to be a married couple, but the intention was there. 
and it was felt by collectors, making this definitely a key comic that's moving in the market. I want to throw out just like an honorable mention to this list because we had a fun conversation about Mr. Freeze. In Batman Adventures issue number 25, you have a really fun Batman and Superman cover. But on the mm-hmm. inside, on the last page, you get a Mignola pinup of Mr. Freeze. It's classic. This book is awesome. Mostly for that reason alone. It doesn't sell for much. But, you know, as a Mignola fan, I had to point it out. Dude, for sure. No, I love, I just love the the cover for that issue in general. Like you said, you got that Batman, Superman on the cover. It's uh, very much uh, an homage to the Batman, Superman animated movie that's also within this uh, continuity. And, you know, really, really cool to have Mignola in the background there or in the one of the last pages of the issue. Love me some Batman, Eris. Thanks for going over that with me. I think we should now take some time and provide some value to the comic book community, similar to value that you provided the channel here back when we first met. Can you believe it? Two years ago? Dude, it's pretty, pretty freaking crazy, man. Like how time flies. It's it's really weird. And what's crazy is you're in Washington, I'm in Texas, uh, but we talk like every day. So it's weird because like we haven't seen each other in a very long time, like in person, but it feels like we kind of do because we do like FaceTime or we're talking through text and stuff like that. So technology, it's kind of funny how that works. Dude, we met at a at a Comic Con in Renton, Washington, yep. randomly. And it was a comic book convention, and I think there was one or two in total comic book dealers there. And I thought it was just super random that you were that you were making an appearance there. And when we saw that you were gonna be at a table, you know, I remember chatting with Slav and we were like, oh, maybe we can just bug you about your channel and you can provide some insight on, I don't know, any recommendations. We were approaching, I think, a thousand or just over a thousand subscribers at that time. Dude, yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of funny how all that worked because uh, I just got an email one day from one of the promoters of that show and they're like, hey, we have this uh, this con up here in Washington and if you want to come, we'll fly you out, we'll put you up in a hotel. And I was like, Okay, you know, I've never been to Washington, plus Comic-Cons are fun. I, I like talking uh, to fans and stuff like that. So I'm like, sure. So I went, and then, uh, yeah, you came by, I believe, on a Saturday it was, and we chatted for like an hour about YouTube and comic books. and uh, It was like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was only up from there, Tom. Now we're, we're in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, homies, dude. We homies. It's good. It, um, I really appreciate you taking the time at that convention to go over some tips and tricks with the channel and i thought this would be kind of fun let's chat about some of those those tips and maybe even to the general audience who may have youtube channels you know maybe they can learn something from this video one of the things that i'll never forget were two words color vomit (laughs) yeah you were uh you were asking me about thumbnails like you know what should go into a good looking thumbnail and stuff like that and one thing uh we learned over the years is that Think, you know, so you do a thumbnail, right? You're putting it up in Photoshop. It's big. It's filling up your whole screen because you're editing it. You're making it, right? But when you put it up on YouTube, a lot of people watch stuff on their phones or small tablets and stuff like that. So they're only seeing this little itty-bitty picture of the thumbnail, right? So if it's color vomit, it's just going to look like freaking paint threw up on this little rectangle. So when, you know, the advice I gave to you is when making a thumbnail, I would say this to anyone uh, as far as design goes, try to pick like, you know, three to four colors tops and not don't even make it so uh, sporadic because again like even the, the hardest thumbnails to do for the channel is like uh, Justice League and Avenger thumbnails because there's so many characters in a thumbnail that uh, it's just hard to make it not look like just blue red yellow pink purple you know what I mean so uh, 
those are the most challenging ones. We usually look for uh, pictures, like black and white pictures and stuff like that to give uh, to Josh, who actually does the thumbnails for us, because I'm not talented enough to do uh, the, the awesome thumbnails. Uh, we have uh, Josh who, who does them. But yeah, man, uh, I would say to anyone, just don't pick a lot of colors. Try to stay simple. Simple is usually best. And uh, you should be good from there, because if you pick two, three colors, when it's small and down, you'll be able to be like, oh, that is the flash. It's it's uh, yellow and red flash. <laughs> I love it. It, it, we, it went a long way for our channel, you know, implementing some of those changes. One of the other things I remember having was a conversation about your audience, you know, specifically the variant nation. Cause I was, cause I'm part of that community. So I wanted to know from you, you know, tips on growing your community, ways to serve your audience. And you spoke a lot about value. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know, like I feel it's weird when we're talking about this stuff. I feel like a lot of it is almost common sense, but then like not at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, so obviously the normal stuff, like reply to as many comments as you can on your YouTube videos, reply to people on social media to have that interaction. People like to feel involved, right? Like even with people and stuff I watch, I want to feel like I'm a part of what they're doing and stuff like that. Like, even though I don't know them, I do know them. You know what I mean? Just because of the way they're interacting with the audience and stuff like that. So, you know, all that normal stuff, stay active on social media and things. And then one of the things we found a lot of success in um, is giveaways. We tend to do uh, giveaways from time to time or as often as we can, whether that's teaming up with companies uh, like Sideshow, DC Collectibles, or even you. We've done several giveaways with you. We gave away a freaking, uh, to this day, we've, we're friends with tons of companies, Sideshow Collectibles, DC Collectibles, Hasbro, like major, major companies. And still to this day, the best giveaway we ever did for the channel was what was with you, Comic Time 101, an Avengers Ooh. issue one. Listen, we gave away an Avengers issue one because of you. And I, in doing that stuff, uh, you know, you, you, you're giving back to the people who put in all those hours of watching your face week to week. And that, it's just, you know, really rewarding. I, you know, I'd like to get to a point where we're doing them like every week, giving away comics and stuff that's, you know, that crazy. Uh, but uh, in the future, <laughs> you know, I had to bring the heat. I had to bring the heat for the variant nation and, and, and hook up the fam. We've done some fun giveaways over there and we implemented a lot of those on our show as well. It helped grow the community. Let's chat about like maybe consistency. That's definitely something that I've always been able to come to rely on with your, your channel, regardless of whether you're filming from your studio or from your home. Yeah, man. Consistency, I would say is definitely top three for sure. Uh, if I remember correctly how I uh, told you all those years back at that Comic-Con is think of it like your favorite TV show, right? So, you know, if you're watching, I don't know, let's, uh, let's, let's say The Office is still coming out every week, right? Let's say we're still in the days where The Office is being released. So, you know, like every Friday, let's say you're going to get a new episode of The Office, right? That you're, it's going to build up a routine. You've got a schedule. So, you know, every Friday at eight o'clock on this channel, you're going to watch a new episode it's the same exact thing or it should be the same exact thing for YouTube, right? You got to let your audience know every Wednesday at seven o'clock, you're going to get a new episode. So that way they know what to look for. Cause let's be honest, you're, you know, obviously we're YouTubers. So we know the algorithm and the subscriptions don't always push things out as they're supposed to, to our subscribers. I mean, you have to subscribe like four different times nowadays to get notifications from the channels uh, you subscribe to. Uh, so if you let your audience know, Every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, you're gonna get new content. Over time, they're just it's gonna be ingrained, and then they're gonna to know to look for your content on those days. So consistency, consistency, and then even I would say post often. I do think there is something this there is something uh, to be said about posting too much about oversaturation. I know for Variant, we post around 
um, two to four times a week. It really depends on what's going on with the news and stuff like that. We have two to three main episodes a week. And then we try to do a fourth of like, you know, they announce like uh, a new Batman movie or something big in the comic book world where we'll just get on a mic and, and talk about it real quick. So I would say consistency, consist consistency, let your audience know when you're posting content and how often you're posting content and then try to stay to that as best as you can. Obviously, life happens, especially times like this right now where we're in this horrible pandemic and things change. But, you know, adapt as well as you can. I appreciate the reminder to let the community know to subscribe to the channel. You should do that comic fam while you're here. You should hit that button. <laughs> and also let's chat a, a little bit about relevance. I, I always have been impressed with your ability to turn out a, a video, a script, I'm assuming um, as quickly as you do. Now, when we chatted about making this video recently and putting, you know, the Batman animated comics all together and, and putting into lists and, you know, value to the community. It was all because there is a comic coming out soon that is causing interest in these issues. And then I go on YouTube and to come to find out that you've already put out a video about it. When are when are these things being done? You know, at what point are you <laughs> making these videos? How do you know to make them? And tell me about the process and, and the importance of relevance. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, you know, you know, this is I'm fortunate enough for this to be my full time job. Like this is literally what pays for my mortgage in this room and everything, right? So this is my full time job. So because of that you know, it's a job, you gotta put the work in. So you gotta check on all the news sites, see what new comic books are coming out, what new movies are coming out, what new games are coming out. So that way you could stay on top of it uh, because, you know, people like to be current. So uh, with the, the new uh, B-Taz related comic book, I'm a big fan of that. So I knew about this for like a year now. It was in the works for a long time. And then I also know some people at DC behind the scenes that gave me inside intel, but that's neither here nor there. So I was really, really excited uh, for this uh, to, to come out. And it's just, you know, one of those things where you just got to jump on it. Like, for instance, when uh, they gave us our first look at Robert Pattinson as Batman in Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman film, we literally did an episode that day. We were, I, was, I remember I was currently working on an episode. Uh, I don't remember what episode, but then the, they dropped that video. I went into Tim's office. I'm like, dude, we got to shoot an episode on this right now. We went into the studio. We shot an episode, and you just did it because that's, that's a job, right? You gotta jump on the. We're kind of like journalists and news reporters in that sense, where you gotta jump on it as quickly as possible. Now, don't jump on it without getting all the information, like a lot of news <laughs> outlets like to do. But once you have all the information and the right stuff, jump on it as soon as possible. You know, uh, a lot of the times, like uh, when big characters like the Batman who laughs, right? Batman who laughs is a massive character. People love him. So I remember when his origin issue came out a few years ago. I marked it down when that Wednesday was coming. I literally got up at 7 o'clock that morning, read the issue. Then by 7.30 that same morning, I wrote a script and was shooting an episode by 9 a.m. to get that episode up by 4 p.m. that day. Like, so a lot of the times, like, there's single-day turnaround because if you want those views, you want to be the first one to get it, you got to jump on it quick. Oh, my goodness. I love hearing that breakdown and the work that is involved with getting this content out consistently on time to the comic book community comic fam you got to be following variant comics over on youtube the link is in the description to support um to support a youtube channel that i've been following since well before i got on youtube or even instagram um and eris i, I have a couple just two more questions here and, and i'll let you go um i want to know what you would like to see more of on youtube as it pertains to comic book themed content it was crazy so like obviously i want to see stuff that like 
I'm not doing because I'm doing it right. So like you know, it, it's it's funny. People ask you, you're a YouTuber, you're on YouTube. Do you watch a lot of YouTube or a lot of comic book themed content on YouTube? And the funny thing is, I don't because I'm usually I'm I'm always doing it myself, right? So I don't really watch uh, a lot of comic book content on YouTube as far as like people that break down like storylines and origins and stuff because that's what I'm doing myself. Sure. So the con the comic book themed content I'm drawn to is like the collecting side and then even like the toys and collectible side. So for instance, I watch a ton of toy reviewers uh, like uh, Shardimus Prime and stuff like that on YouTube, Unparalleled Universe. And then as far as like comic book theme content, uh, you, I watch, I watch Comic Tom like a lot. You guys are actually one of my top three favorite podcasts uh, right now because you know, I, it's the other side of what I'm doing, right? Like I'm deep into the lore of backstory and origins and current storylines where your channel is like the collecting side. What comic books are hot right now? What should I be looking for? What keys are going to spike? And you guys provide, uh, you know, valuable information for that. So that's what I'm currently uh, watching on YouTube as far as comic book themed stuff. And then I just watch like the normal stuff, like Dude Perfect and just things that are trending and stuff like that or like hot ones because it's funny to watch celebrities have uh, eat spicy wings <laughs> and all that stuff. I love it. I love it. I, I like that you're, um, you're interested in more of the collectible stuff because it's like mostly community content over there. You know, most of us just, just homies making content at home. Um, those that polish it um, are a bit more fun to watch, you know, and, and edit. Um, but it's definitely an aspect of it that I enjoy as well. Um, you know, it's just like that kind of community work. Um, last question. Um, what you would like to see more or maybe different in the comic book industry? The pages. Oh, uh, that's very, very interesting. You know, I kind of want, there, there's a few things, but I think off the bat, I kind of want stories to go back to just focusing on telling good stories. I feel like so many things in this world are like agenda driven, whether you're talking about this side or that side. And I just want like fun books, like just universally good stories. I feel like in comic books there, you know, especially on the political side now, people are having to choose sides, whether you're on this side or that side and people wanting this and that. But it's like, there's so, there, there's a middle ground that we could all agree on. Like, you know what I mean? Like heroism and just being a good person and just doing what's right. Like you don't have to be left or right or this or that to agree on that. Just tell on good moral stories and give us good characters. So I think that because as you know, like the comic book industry right now is very like uh very uh up in arms or dark in that sense right now. I don't want to get too much into it. But you know what I mean? I just want good stories is how I would summarize that and not worry about telling this or pushing that. Just give me the heroes I love uh, that I've been following for years and a good story and we're set. Eris, that seems like a simple enough request. Comic fam, I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about things you'd like to see different or maybe incorporated differently into the comic book industry? It'll answer you to win one of, we got three giveaways we're doing. Comic fam, we're doing three giveaways. The first one is this deceased number one torpedo comics exclusive. And then we are also going to be giving away um, this is from the PC saga. This is uh, volume number one, the trade paperback. Eris, I feel like reading material is good to be sending out right now. Are you reading anything right now? 100%, dude. Yeah, I'm actually, this, you know, with uh, new comics on halt right now, it's actually giving me an opportunity to catch up on a lot of the issues that I fell behind on, like The Flash, uh, Spider-Man, and some other stuff. So uh, definitely a good time to be catching up on those uh, that pull list. All right, and um, the last giveaway we're going to do is this right here. 
This is a <laughs> variant sheet. It's like your, it's like the advertisement that was on your table back at Renton City Comic Con, and I had you sign it. And I said, "Yo, we're gonna do a giveaway for you know at some point on the show." It just took two years, and it says, "Hey, this." <laughs> And then you signed it, Eris, and it says, have fun reading comics. Comic fam, if you want to win this signed piece of variant memorabilia, comment down below and let me know what you think about this video. <laughs> that is awesome that you still have that, dude. Like you said, two freaking years, you've just had that <laughs> sitting in a bin. <laughs> shout out to Eris and shout out to Key Collector Comics who put out a button on the app this week. We're talking about Batman, the animated series, comic books, the world the variants, everything you need to know. It's right on Key Collector. Shout out to Nick for making that happen so quick for the comic fam. He's always quick on his feet to make those categories so he can, you know, educate us all, Jem. That's what's up. Jem, I want to get into some updates. You know, we are now a little over halfway through what we hope to be, you know, to the end of this quarantine that we're in. And Diamond's still shut down. And although I haven't been making ongoing content about this i think it's important that when we're together and we can we give some updates and our thoughts on the situation how you've been and what updates have you seen you know let, let's get into it yeah i mean not not much has changed from the last time we did a podcast right we're still in quarantine diamond is not shipping new books uh publishers like dc comics are finding other ways to get their books out there using um online retailers like midtown comics and dcbs now, Diamond, I think there's rumblings that they plan to open back up mid-May. Uh, but in the meantime, in-stock trades, cheap graphic novels, those websites that I use to get omnibus and hardcovers, they're getting their stuff in by other means as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when everything goes back to normal. Will everything be back to normal or will there be a new norm as far as comic book distribution? What will this look like going forward? That's really what it's about. But mid-May is wishful thinking. This is all speculation we hope that a month from now we're back to normal that we can start rebuilding but there's no new news i mean that's that's really the bottom line with it and i want to remind the community that if you're looking for like breaking news something that gem does that i really enjoy is when there's something that's really worth your attention not just like gossip but something actually happened that caused uh, like really big mo movement in the comic book community gem you're always really quick to hit the mic yeah, for sure. If there's something that's big enough and that's factual, not kind of rumors or, like you said, speculation, when Diamond gives an official date, I'll probably make a video as soon as I hear it. And I'm usually pretty available to knock out a video and put it out there. There's a lot of like opinion pieces happening, being kind of disguised as updates when bottom line is there's no new updates. Comics aren't being distributed and people are just worried about the industry. I want to acknowledge the challenges that stores are facing. Heck, stores across the countries are shut down and they can't even operate. However, hearing that there is light at the end of the tunnel that there is optimism, that we're going to be getting the comic book industry back, that the comics will come back. We'll be able to go to our LCSs again. They're not going to all be shut down after this. It's promising because that means that this is kind of a, a test round. This is something that we all have to kind of experience, especially the comic book stores, because they're going to have to learn to pivot. This is something that they have to expect could happen again. And right now we are seeing stores really coming out and delivering to their community and killing it in this marketplace. Yeah, the industry is going to have to adapt after this because we were shut down from like day two. It was like, it's over, but it's not over. Like you said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, 
it's very sad that a lot of creators got a pencil down notice and they're not able to work. But something else that has kind of come out of this, which I find really interesting and I'm a really big fan of, are these crowdfunded comics. These creators are putting out books independently by themselves and they're crushing it right now. There's a few of them out there putting up really big numbers and that's the type of hustle and grind that I love to see. And I think that's a positive thing. That's I mean, it started before this, but it's really taken off with everything else being shut down. These crowdfunded uh, creator-owned projects are really flourishing. We were talking about Joe Schmalky last week on the Top 10, and he recently, in the last two weeks, funded a Kickstarter for Electric Black. Brian Polito, who's been doing so much for the comic book community since the early 90s, recently exceeded 300 grand on his recent Kickstarter. Ethan Van Skyver, just like breaking records regularly people are still buying comics man and if you look on ebay the sales tab go look at it yourself comic fam you guys are hungry for your comic books you guys are buying like crazy and i like to imagine that all of this right here means that when we do have the ability to go hit our lcs's again to go in store to anxiously await our wednesday polls and to to get our comic books that we're going to see what could be not just like the mark of of something that was like really really crappy like like in the comic book history where diamonds shut down and no one got comics where we know maybe we're gonna see the biggest resurgence maybe we can see records break when we come back totally man i'm really ready for the upswing of this thing i'm looking forward to it comic fam let me know what you're excited most to read when things get turned right back on i want to remind the community that if you want to join the mystery mail call our comic book subscription service here at comic tom 101 where we send you comics every single month we are still sending them out you can get a comic tom exclusive this month courtesy of scout comics long live pro wrestling with the variant cover done by the very talented artist piper we got a lot of really dope keys going out a 9.8 New Mutants 98 somebody's going to be getting this month, Jim. First appearance of Deadpool. I love that book. Comment down below, comic fam, what you are most excited to start reading again when things come back. And I'll enter you to win this copy of Wolverine number one, graded at 9.8, my Inhyuk Lee Marvel exclusive. Man, I love that book. I have my copy. I don't have it graded at a 9.8, but I have the raw copy. Love that cover. Yo, Jim, I appreciate you being on, man. Stay safe out there. And comic fam, you stay safe too. We appreciate your time. And as always, stay minty fresh. I mean, geek responsibly. Ah, there it is, bro. I <laughs> appreciate you. Have a great one, comic fam. Nuff said. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's the bonus show, the Bags and Boards show. You just listened to podcast number 30, and it was missing somebody really dope that joins me on the mic regularly. And his name is Jeff, but he's better known in the comic book community. He's better known in his own family. His own children call him the Golden Age Guru. How you doing, brother? Thank you for that mighty introduction. And thank you guys for staying here for that the extra credit portion. Man, I really appreciate it. we got a fun topic to discuss. Uh, we're talking about uh, error slash variant, if you will, but really just error issues. Comic fam, you think we would have left you without talking about some type of variant comic book, some type of error print comic book, some type of recalled comic book? No, we have one more issue to discuss because it hit the market recently. And this comic book is special, okay? Not only did it come out in 1981, okay? It's one of the rarest and most unique books that exists for both Marvel and DC. And you're gonna go, wait, Tom, you must have misspoke. 
that sounds weird for both Marvel and DC. No, 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 no. That is the point. This is a comic book that hit the market and is currently on eBay. You can see it for yourself. For $1.2 million, you can own it. Three listed on the census and known to exist. This is New Teen Titans issue number six. Manufactured with Marvel 2-in-1, number 74, on the interior. Made the same month and the same year at the same printing press. We have an error of ginormous proportions. So ginormous that it's an error for both publishers. That's how big it is. It crosses publishers. And when we say that, this is what we mean. At one point, Marvel and DC shared the same publishing printer space. So what happened apparently is that a cover for a DC book ended up to the interiors of a Marvel book. I'm looking at this book as it is. And to me, it's interesting, okay, that that happened. I mean, I don't know if it happened in any other book. I don't think so. This is supposedly the only time that it has occurred. That's what makes it unique, man. It's like this may be the only time it may ever happen because back in 1981, the folklore is that dc at that time had a new title that was just selling like crazy and it was teen titans i mean by issue number six they found out that they can get better print quality and possibly save some money by switching to a different printing press in canada and what had happened was marvel had already recently printed their marvel two-in-one issue number 74 and Part of this printing process is they have some like pre-made pallets is what they call them. DC brought over their prints to be made on this press. These pre-made pallets had found their way on the press prior. And Teen Titans issue number six, the cover, found its way on some of the interiors. Now, it was recalled. They didn't make it out. They destroyed them. So... When three found their way to the CGC census and made its way out into the public, this now is looked at as one of the rarest DC and Marvel comics known to exist, and it crosses these lines of collectability. Absolutely does. You're going to hit A, the DC collector, Marvel collector, and that error collector. But really, you're just going to hit on that error collector. And I only say that because neither book is a key book. So really, as a completist, you can buy it with a regular cover as well for both issues. It isn't the only way it was published. So ultimately, it might hit on some different avenues for some people. But really, this is going to be for those error collectors who want something extraordinary and not just a typical error like a double cover or a triple cover or something that has some weird, you know, missing type or error in color print. Yeah, we got like a villain that isn't super popular on the cover fighting the Teen Titans. It's not a very eventful cover either. I mean, besides some, you know, gargoyle type of creatures, you have the Teen Titans lineup not even doing a very cool action stance. If it was a first appearance of Deathstroke or Nightwing, I think we'd be having a different conversation, don't you think? I do, I do. And especially like, look, I'll be... 
I look at this number that this person has. Yeah, it gets a little bit silly to me that you list something for $1.2 million, okay? And I'm reading this very, very detailed description this person has for the book. More power to them. Listed however which way you wish and however much you want to put on it, okay? But we also got to keep in perspective that what two, three, four, five years ago, we had an AF15 highest grade that sold, I think, for 1.2 million. So when I look at a highest grade AF15, 1.2 million, opposed to an error book, okay, am I really gonna think that an error book like this is worth 1.2 million? Considering that a sold copy raw sold for five thousand dollars or less as showed on ebay that you can find right now definitely someone posting it hoping that maybe the attention by just being the most expensive comic book in that type of category you know multiple categories on ebay if you type in error print it's going to be the top of the list if you type in marvel or dc it's at the top of the list but i, I don't see it happening for 1.2 mil so i read the description like i just mentioned but I got to tell you, like, by the time I finished reading it, the gentleman was very good at trying to convince and sell this book. I mean, I was even like, well, maybe there's a chance. You know, he's throwing in values of rare stamps and rare coins in there. So uh, kudos to him for writing a very, very detailed and interesting description. And it's actually worth the read. So you should probably just go visit and check out this book. It's on, like we mentioned, eBay right now. The question I have is to assume that there isn't more out there. And I believe there's actually probably quite a few more out there to think that there was only maybe a few books that this happened to, I think is pretty naive. I doubt that if it was that minor and it was caught that they probably would have stopped it and destroyed them. So I think it ran at a pretty probably good amount of issues and got dispersed. The thing is, nobody knows about this book enough to have to check these issues. I feel that now as this becomes um, more, what's the word, mainstream even, or just becomes more known to the community, that we're going to see more of these books popping up. This is a 7.5, okay? Average grade, someone trying to sell it for way more than it's worth. Book could probably be sold between a three to 5,000 range, as mentioned. But I think the important thing, which is why I want to bring it to the community's attention right now, is that this book's out there. People know about it, and they know a little bit about its history. I want you to know about it so that when you go hit those, you know, those back issue bins and you check your own collection, you know, you look for that Teen Titans issue number six. You know, you may be surprised because, as Jeff mentioned, if three are out there, there's got to be more. You know, there's absolutely more. So... If you are lucky enough to find one and then get it graded, you may have a really competitive error print copy. And I think it's dope. You know, don't let that price scare you away from the fact that this is a really interesting find nonetheless, because this comic book is not going to happen again. This is just like a, a moment in time where everything just aligned and that two largest publishing houses happen to just cross paths at the at the right moment in the right month and the employees made just the right mistake to have this product be created i find that fascinating and you know what comic fam let me know in the comment section over on youtube when you're seeing this in the future shout out i want to know if the comic fam would pay an inflated amount to the degree that people are paying for this particular book, like the thousands.
Is it crazy? I want to hear your thoughts. We appreciate you. Thank you, Comic Fam, for, for being here with us and, and listen to our stuff. Um, please rate us wherever you listen to us, specifically if you listen to us on iTunes. That goes a really, really long way. Oh, before you go, though, I want to make sure on a comment, guys, can you comment down below what kind of error you prefer? Do you prefer a double, triple cover, or would you prefer this specific type of error of another publisher's cover on an interior from another publisher? Ooh, good question. Yeah, let us know what your preference on error print stuff and specifically of that franchise question. If it's like, you know, I get like some people may go, yeah, no, you know, to the franchise question, but like your favorite hero is what I'm talking. Like something that you personally collect that you pay a little bit more money for because you love it. Like like my Hellboy thing. You know, whatever your thing is, would you pay? Like what is that number? You know, that that's just too crazy for that book. I want to know about it. Anyways, chat with you soon, comic fam. Peace. Yo, that was pretty good, right? I think so. Yeah, I kind of maybe could have been a little drier, less a little dry, a little funnier on my end, but.